0: Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and Attention Coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight ADHD and making decisions. Real quickly, tonight is Wednesday, July the 18th in the year 2018 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've got a few announcements before we get into the show. Uh, I'd like to thank Laurie DePar for inviting me to be a guest speaker at this year's 2018 Success with ADAT Telesummit that will take place. July the 23rd through the 27th, so yes, it starts uh, this coming Monday. Um, I'll be speaking about ADHD, working memory, and uh, overcoming project procrastination. There'll be a host of other uh, great speakers, um, many of whom, and I say many, probably uh, more than half, have been on Attention Talk Radio as guests. Uh, to learn more or to sign up, go to succeedwithadhdtelesummit.com forward slash ATR. Again, that's succeed with ADHD, telesummit.com forward slash ATR. Also, um, as a reminder, this program, the show is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, um, in listening to this show, Chad is offering you two free digital copies of Attention Magazine. Uh, to receive them, all you have to do is listen to our show. And either write down the date of the the title And the secret word that goes along with the show And I'll be giving the secret word out during the show And when you have that together Just send us an email at attention At attentiontalkradio.com Again, that's attention At attentiontalkradio.com And when we receive your email We will send you the newest uh, editions Of uh, Attention Magazine Um, Again, this show is being brought to you by Chad We've got a little tip to run And then we'll get into the middle of the show it's not uncommon for someone with ADHD to struggle with anxiety, which could lead to stress and other health issues. Understanding how anxiety and ADHD may coexist is step one. Both can be managed with the right diagnosis and treatment, so be sure to talk with your doctor. To learn more about anxiety and ADHD, visit Chad's website at helpforadhd.org. Thank you, Chad, for that tip and your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage our listeners to support that organization. Uh, They are the ones that uh, help us speak with one unified voice on Capitol Hill, different regulatory agencies. By being a member, there's lots of great member benefits. Um, The magazine discounts um, at conferences among other things. Um, but really, again, the, the reason to support them is not just for what you get, but just, uh, um, just keeping Chad healthy so that we can speak with one voice and advocate on behalf of everyone in our listening audience. Um, okay. So, um, let's get into our show today. Today we're talking about ADHD and decision making, and this is a little bit of a unique show that I'm doing. Typically we have some guests on, and today I'm here to share my experience in coaching. Um, with those with ADHD and making some decisions. And my hope today, or my goal today, is to, is to <clears throat> sit down and just kind of talk about decisions and kind of the anatomy of some of the decisions, give you some illustrations, some, some of the challenges that people with ADHD have, and then talk about uh, effective ways in order to make decisions. I have found, um, for many with ADHD, uh, that struggle mostly with attention regulation. Um, so this is a little bit more challenging with, with the, more, the crowd that struggles more uh, regulating their emotions. But I found that identifying these and breaking it down and being aware of it compartmentalizes things a little bit and helps people um, kind of more tangibly deal with it. Uh, I want to be clear, um, I'm not a researcher, nor am I a scientist. I'm just a coach. Um, I do a lot of taking some of the things that uh, the researchers or the scientists, if you will, say, and I try to convert them into a language that we can understand and apply them. So understand that's a context in which to listen to today in order to kind of absorb some of this. So what I want to do first is I want to kind of walk through just some different categories of uh, issues with regard to making decisions first, to make some distinctions, and then later we'll talk about um, some strategies to get around this. The first area that I'd like to talk to you about in terms of making decisions, when it comes to what I call context. And uh, true story, uh, many, many years ago, uh, a guy called me up and I said, What do you want coaching on today? He said, "Uh, Making decisions. And I said, Okay. Well, tell me what's hard about it. And I'll never forget because he said, You know, you could come to me and you could ask a simple question like, Which is better, an apple or an orange? It's a simple question. But he says, All of a sudden, my mind darts to, there's nothing better than biting into that, that crisp, fresh Granny Smith apple in the fall. But then here we go. But then, during Thanksgiving, I love that ambrosia salad. But then again, in February, I, nothing better than that hot apple cider with a cinnamon stick in it. But, of course, in July, when it's really, really hot, nothing quenches your thirst like orange juice. Now, in this little illustration, what I'm trying to, to show is that uh he definitely had some very strong opinions, but it was very contextually related. And if you ask him which was better, apple, orange, during Thanksgiving, he would say orange. If you said um, in February, he'd say uh, apple. But um, he struggled with that. And uh, it was funny because as I began to coach him a little bit, we started talking about He began to realize he talked to a lot of people about this. And effectively, he wasn't really aware that a lot of times he would make decisions by, as we would say, he was really surveying the crowd, and the majority of people he talked to said oranges were better, then that's what he would vote for. So it really wasn't his own individual decision on something like that. He was just kind of going with whatever the, the uh, most people seemed to like, uh, which is a strategy we'll talk about later. Another area of context that I find to be fascinating is people are having a hard time making decisions because they're looking for a better context. And this is a situation where – You've got something that you're looking at and there's an answer or two that are obvious, but they're not quite there. And you're really just trying to wait. Uh, This is a very much a creative thing uh, where you're waiting for an insight or an aha or whatever uh, in order for it to happen. So let's, let's just kind of talk about uh, this for a little bit and illustrate what an insight might be. If I asked you how many seconds are there in a year, uh, most people's face would kind of glass over a little bit because um they would begin to think 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, da 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 and they would stop at that point in time because calculating that number in your head is just so massive which by the way the answer is like 31 and a half million something like that. Um in that situation the answer is 31 and a half million in the context of looking at a clock. Um use this example all the time though because uh in a different way if you actually paid attention to the calendar there's 12 seconds uh january 2nd february 2nd march the 2nd and so on um if you're trying to make the decision and your mind is focused contextually on paying attention to a clock and you're looking for a creative idea you're not making the decision because you're waiting for a better idea to come along um at aha eureka or something different that shift the context where all of a sudden you change the way you're looking for at it, and all of a sudden there's another answer that uh, looks very, very obvious. As an aside, um, if you go to my website, digcoaching.com, uh, I think you have to look into the products section, uh, but we actually have an attention test um, on our website, and it's pretty funny because we ask questions like, uh, what state does the Mississippi flow? And most people begin to think of Missouri and Louisiana or whatever, and uh, we give the answer of liquid as opposed to solid or gas. Again, people sometimes make where they struggle with decisions because either one they don't know which context to look at or they're really looking for a better context a context in order to do it, so I find that to be another a very common area. Another area that I like to highlight is um um uh, they, they, organi- they they make this decisions sometimes are a little bit more challenging um when they need to make something that's kind of organizational related One of the things that I've learned over the years is that organization often is a two step process you kind of have to pick the system and um, then you organize within that system and they um, they don't make decisions because they're not really clear they kind of waffle all over the place and I'll give you an example of this uh, a lot of businesses like a choice is do we go with a centralized system or a decentralized system um, inherently those are two very different organizational systems and if you go centralized then you begin to organize what you're going to do within the context of it being centralized or if you're gonna to choose to be decentralized, you organize within that. The uh, a- ambiguity of knowing which one to go with can be a bit of a challenge. I know uh, to uh, I used to advocate both of them have a problem, just pick your problems, because none of them is perfect. A better way of really kind of illustrating this two-step process is um, I've coached a number of college students. and when, when I was coming through school, we had books and we had notebooks, spiral bound notebooks. It was really pretty easy. We would go into class and take some notes. But a lot of students now, uh, there's written text, there's PowerPoints, there's links, There's websites, and they're really all over the place. And uh, many of them organize it sometimes by just leaving it all over the place. Other ones try to consolidate on a sheet of paper. And others sometimes will say, listen, I'm going to put this together in a binder. And they go out and they download everything chronologically. And once they choose that binder route, then they've got to download it all and organize it within that in some type of a uh, – a logical timeline type way to kind of walk their way through that. Many times decision-making is organizational and uh, choosing which route to go or what you really want to do can be very, very taxing for many of those with ADHD. I want to talk about uh, some working memory challenges that relate to this, but given the time, I don't want to get too far into that. So let's um, let's run our commercials, and uh, when we come back, we'll kind of, kind of dovetail on that. I am Jeff Copper. I'm the host of Attention Talk Radio, Ben Sofer. Gosh, 10 years now. If you want to learn more about me, go to digcoaching.com. That's dig, D I G, coaching.com, where you excavate the aha daily. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to ADDCA.com slash ATR. That's ADDCA.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Get it right with Omega Bright, the premier natural advanced Omega-3 formula for improved attention and focus. Omega Bright was formulated by Dr. Carol Locke while on faculty at Harvard Medical School and was the first high concentrate Omega-3 on the market. Omegabrite is recommended by New York Times bestseller and leading ADHD authority, Dr. Ned Hollowell, who takes Omegabrite and recommends Omegabrite to all his patients. Order Omegabrite today. Visit Omegabrite.com or call 1-800-699-6525. Enter code ATTENTION on checkout for the chance to win a month's supply of Omegabrite. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is Timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by DigCoaching.com. Do you have something those with ADHD need? Advertise on Attention Talk Radio. We are a narrow-cast, Internet-based radio show targeting those with or impacted by ADHD. To learn more about advertising opportunities, email attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Before the break, typically, I uh, let everybody know what the secret word is. I didn't this time, but the word is making, M-A-K-I-N-G. The secret word is making. Um, Before the break, we started talking about decisions in uh, context, really kind of what that was about. And then we also started talking about organization, uh, making decisions sometimes, how you're going to go about that, kind of expanding that a little bit from there. One of the other reasons that I find people really struggle to make uh, decisions with ADHD is due to challenges in the working memory. We did a show with Dr. Russell Barkley several months ago talking about a working memory in depth. Uh, In that interview, we did some attention exercises to kind of help you visualize it, and we started talking about uh, the challenges of those with ADHD. And the thing about working memory is it's kind of like a computer when you – uh, sit down at a computer where you push the power button now, it's not ready to go. It's got to actually boot up. It's got to load up the operating system and the apps and everything that's there. In a way, your brain has to do that as well when you're working on something. And What's fascinating to me years ago is that a memory uh, of the past is basically that memory of a event or thing is not stored in one place of the brain. It's kind of fragmented. It's all over the place. and The brain kind of reconstructs um, the past um, from that memory from different, like whether it's uh, auditory, verbal, kind of places in the mind. Um, in the same way, when we're planning and, and trying to make some decisions, we're often using past data to simulate a picture of the future. And the challenge of, of those with ADHD outside of self-regulation is one of working memory. And one of the things that I have found time and time again, those with ADD, is they struggle when they're making the decisions and there's lots of simulations. So Um, Just to kind of piggyback off of the apple and orange is those are four simulations a person that can run in their head that would take a look at options uh, to make a decision on which they like an apple or an orange. Um, There's probably another infinite number of those possibilities. And as the number of situations grow and the variables uh, happen, I find a lot of times those with ADC, they begin to try to visualize it in their mind. Uh, or put it all together, and they just can't get it in. And so uh, they'll remember one scenario and then think of another scenario and forget the original one, and they just kind of get lost in their mind and they, they spin around. And it's really challenging for them to really kind of make an objective decision when they're doing that uh, because of the effort and work that's involved. A lot of times they'll do a little bit of it and then just give up and impulsively make a decision, which is not necessarily good, but – often I find that's a challenge of working memory. Um, other reasons in um, the same thing is uh, when people begin to visualize what something's going to be like, I've coached a lot of people about the future or a job or a career, and when I do that, I don't say, what would it be like to be uh, uh, a producer, whatever. I'd say, tell me about your day. You'd wake up and you'd do what? Like, you'd get your cup of coffee, you'd go to your desk, you'd, you'd look at email or, you know, whatever, in a very, very specific type manner, and Uh, They really have difficulty uh, visualizing the future and putting that together so that they have a clear picture in order for them to make a decision. Again, ADHD is very much a a self-regulation issue and a working memory challenge, and we can begin to see how uh, reviewing all the different contexts, all the different scenarios can be taxing on the working memory, or to visualize in the future the options, if this, then that. Um, again, becomes very challenging and can paralyze a lot of those with ADHD, which we'll talk about, um, I guess, a little bit more detail uh, later. Um, let's see. Using the, the working memory thing to digress a bit, uh, they also have a challenge in working in areas where there's an infinite number of perspectives. And I, I talk about this uh, a lot when I'm working with people on procrastination, One of the big areas of procrastination is whenever you've got to confront somebody or you've got to persuade them. And I find often those with ADHD will sit down, and if they've got to persuade you on something, they'll write something out. And because it requires a lot of working memory, they can't really hold it all in mind. Basically, they focus on writing it and getting it all out. And then when they're done, they read it as if they're the person that they're sending it to. And when they read it, often... uh, Standing in that perspective, they 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 come to the conclusion the person won't uh, take it the way they intend it. So then they'll sit down and write it a, a different way. Now remember, they can't imagine what it's like for the other person to receive it while they're writing it because of the challenges with working memory. And so they do this over and over. And as a result of it, um, they might go through a couple iterations. Now often what happens is they don't do any of it. But uh, the point really is they have a hard time deciding on which one really to go with. Um, And it's a bit of a challenge because everybody can look at the thing a little bit differently, Um, particularly sometimes there's no right or wrong answer, or maybe the person's coming from a belief system that's in conflict. Um, um, That's an issue. Another one is um, I found a lot of times – actually, when I mentor coaching other coaches and they got to write marketing copy, there's an infinite number of ways of of describing coaching or whatever, and one day they'll come up with an idea of – how they want to pitch themselves. And the next day they wake up with a different perspective and they like that perspective. Um, it's just for whatever reason that day, it sounds really pretty cool. Um, there they wake up and they can't remember the first perspective, but they think the new perspective, the third perspective is better than the second. And so anyway, where they end up going is, is there's really an unlimited number. And as I've described, you know, if you have drapes um, in your house or your office, not everybody's going to like them. So you're never going to come up with something that works for everybody. And so often the infinite number of perspectives or the ways of looking at it kind of gets in the way of making the decision. Um, And and again, uh, new coaches uh, writing are often, I find them to be, that to be a a big issue. Another area of challenge when it comes to uh, decision-making is a conflict in values. I did a show with, um, Eileen Taylor-Kloss of Impact ADD uh, many years ago on bullying, and I thought we were going to talk about bullying and kids in the playground, but it was really more how we bully ourselves as adults. Um, Imagine if you value being a a parent to be at all your kids' functions and sporting events or whatever, and you value yourself to be, you know, a reputable and respectable business person that honors their commitments, and all of a sudden a kid's recital gets changed to a day of a business meeting, And so you have conflict at that point in time. Um, Those conflicts and stuff can make it difficult for people to make decisions. I realize that's probably not the best example, but um, whenever there's conflict and uncertainty that's there and there's ambiguity, people tend to sit on it, often waiting for maybe better information or more updated information, et cetera. Um, which leads to another area of decision-making. That is, um, This is a big one. This is when you have imperfect information uh, or incomplete information. Um, sometimes the world is just complicated or you're not getting all the data, and a lot of times people won't make decisions as a result of this um, because they're waiting for more to come in. Or often because of it's incomplete, I think there's sometimes they don't really want to be blamed or they don't want the pressure of say, have made the decision. And that can be really challenging for a lot of people, uh, really, really challenging. So um, as you can begin to listen through these contextual things, the working memory challenge starts to reoccur multiple times when you're making a decision, trying to simulate these different thoughts in different ways in your mind, um, particularly for ADD. Some of them have strong belief systems, which makes it easy for them to make decisions. But other times uh, they, they they're really good at seeing it from other people's shoes in different perspectives and that increases the number of options and makes it much more challenging for them to make some decisions. So anyway, the, the the idea here, there's there's a bunch of other things that are that are out there potentially, but as we begin to break down some of the components of making a decision, I hope you begin to illustrate that sometimes these things are not necessarily so simple and that one of the challenges of ADD is working memory and kind of holding that in your mind in order to um, see all the options to make a little bit of a decision. Um When I go to a little break, we come back, start talking about some of the things that you can do uh, to be able to better manage making decisions, Um, some strategies or really some concepts for you to begin to think about to see what works for you or to take a look um, at your existing behavior to find out, wow, that's that strategy, I never knew it, but that's I've been using that for a really long time. Our secret word tonight uh, for those that are interested in the magazine is making, that's M-A-K-I-N-G, like making a decision. Again, I'm Jeff Copper with Dig Coaching Practice. Um, You can learn more about me by going to my website. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to ADDCA.com slash ATR. That's ADDCA.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is Timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. The Attention Talk Network has over 450 interviews and more than 210 hours of programming, which is overwhelming if you think about it. That's why I've made my list of top 10 favorite Attention Talk Radio interviews. Download the list at www.digcoaching.com forward slash ATR. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Uh, just a reminder, our, our secret word tonight is making – also, again, I'd like to thank Lori Depar for inviting me to be a guest on her uh, 2018 Success with ADHD Tell Summit. That's going to start next week. Um, I'm going to be talking about working mem- memory and project procrastination that's kind of related to this conversation um, in much more detail, simulating um, some attention exercises to kind of see some of that. uh, If you wanna learn more, sign up, go to succeedwithadhdtelesummit.com forward slash ATR. So let's just talk about some things about strategies. One of the things that I have found as a coach is that uh, there's no one answer that's going to solve everybody's problems? Uh, for one reason, <clears throat> there's multiple different situations and contexts that uh, where one decision won't work. Plus, what works for one doesn't necessarily work for others. Um, I want to begin by sharing some, um, I, I just some of my thoughts that I've learned that are really one is number one, acknowledge that decision making is challenging. Uh, understand the nature of decision making. Um, I've learned. Um, long ago is that if you don't actually acknowledge something that's difficult um, you're not given the respect that it's due you're really kind of blown off and you're not you're not really paying attention to it to really move past it so I think acknowledging that uh, decisions for those with ADHD can be a bit of a challenge and as I've kind of alluded to I often find that one of the big epicenters is uh limited working memory and um, uh, that can be difficult so that's just that's number one um, Number two, just some general ideas. Is I'm not real as wild about these, but they are strategies. One is delegating the decisions. Um, um, again, I really think that you need to take ownership in your world. But I do find there's a lot of people that uh, really um, they really want other decision. I I never forget there was a lawyer. That I used to be really really good friends with, and he was on vacation. He never wanted to make a decision, and we went out to uh, the wine country in, in Northern California, Sonoma, Napa. And, and it was he delegated. Literally, I had to decide what he was going to eat, where we were going to go, when we were going to kind of get up. It was it was kind of wild. It was it was a little. Uh, I was a little uncomfortable with it at first, but truly he just he just liked to veg out and, and go with it. But uh, uh, he made so many decisions as a lawyer day in day out. He just kind of liked it. So that's just a, a fun little thing. But that's again, it's not one I advocate a lot on, but it's it is a, it is a strategy. Um, another one is Royal survey, and there, I think there's a lot of people with ADHD that talk about things that they're doing with people, and uh, they're not asking the other person uh, questions per se. They're talking out loud and getting reactions and over a period of time, they get a general sense from people that they talk to what the prevailing thoughts are. And often they will go with that. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit more formal by calling people up and say, I've got these, 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 what would you do? Um, again, uh, by actually formalizing that as a decision-making strategy and move forward, it can sometimes, uh, give you uh, like a, something tangible to kind of, to work on. Um, Another decision-making thing that I've actually used a couple times in my uh, my past is uh, uh, picking the best of the worst. And this is really good in a situation where you're dealing with imperfect information or you're dealing a lot with other people's perspectives. And you know, b- basically, <laughs> the bottom line is the path is not very clear. You'd really like to have more objective information than subjective information, but you sit down. And literally for me, there was an, a personal event one time where I sat down and I said mm, – and I wrote out and I said – These are all the facts that I have at this point in time, and I'm going to make this decision going forward realizing that I don't. And if the decision works out to be great, great. But if not, I remember the moment that I sat down and I wrote everything out, everything to my knowledge. I reasoned my way through that, and I did the best that I could to make that decision. And if it blew up a little bit later, I would find a little bit of peace in knowing is that I'm not perfect. I'm not God. I did the best I could and with what I had at that point in time. So this depends on you as an individual, but I have found a lot of peace with that one at really kind of different times. Um, so moving on, probably the most, most um, I think, effective, um, and the one I advocate the most really in making decisions um, is brainstorming. Um, and there's two levels of that. There's, there's one that is a verbal conversation that goes back and forth because Understand that the old pros and cons list that we used to do, uh, that thought process is, uh, it's, it's a great, a very good structure about making, um, decisions, but you typically put objective information down. People with ADHD, um, they struggle with the tediousness of writing down the pros and cons and, um, uh, often have a hard time recalling some of that stuff. So I find what's best is if you begin brainstorming with somebody and, uh, it is a brainstorming thing, not asking for people's opinions, maybe asking for their experience, uh, just kind of talking about what's going on. And the thing about brainstorming is sometimes when you're, when you're having a hard time making decisions, decision, you don't really know what you're looking for. Like earlier, we talked about the idea of uh, finding the better context and the answer to how many seconds are the years to look at a calendar. And there's January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. Sometimes when you start brainstorming, you got to get kind of wacky because um, you're not really sure what you're looking for. Um, understand, too, that sometimes brainstorming produces very creative ideas, and sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it's not workable. It's just sometimes it's really kind of not there. I realize brainstorming sometimes is ambiguous because you're not really sure where you're going, and it is a trial and error process. But what I have found is for those with ADHD, oftentimes when they're talking to somebody about the decisions they've got to make, um, sometimes they're thinking out loud. And uh, if you go back and listen to the interview with uh, Dr. Barkley and I on working memory, you begin to understand as it is, it is a lot easier for someone with ADHD to actually think out loud. So sometimes it's a brainstorming session, but the person with ADHD is just talking and will come to their own conclusion and make a decision based off of that. Other times you're having a conversation with somebody and the other person will throw out an idea that really would make a lot of sense that can help a person make the decision. Or, there's that other thing, that, that association type of a thing that somebody says something and something comes out of left field. So this is a true story. I'll try to be brief. I had a 2003 Sequoia a couple of years ago that had almost 200,000 miles on it and had eight seat belts, And I was running two very complicated carpools. I had one year to go before my son would be driving. Uh, the car was not worth very much, but the leather seats on the driver's side were cracked and uh, ripping my pants. And I went out to, hmm. Uh, new leather seats were nine hundred dollars and the car is only worth probably about two grand so that didn't really make a lot of sense to put that kind of money into it and those uh, discount auto parts store had seat covers that were supposed to work but it just i i can't articulate to you but in theory it was supposed to work but it was pulling up and it was all over and it really wasn't solving the problem and i was stuck and i needed to decide to do something but the idea of brainstorming i remember <clears throat> i was with somebody else and I was explaining my dilemma, and they said, Wow, too bad you can't find them at a garage sale. And uh, it was funny because out of nowhere, that comment, um, I had this huge idea about what about a junkyard? And understand that that idea that they said sparked the idea of a junkyard, and it was fascinating. Uh, when I looked it up on Google in Tampa, there's a uh, junkyard down here, and uh, the seats for a 2003 Sequoia are 20, $126. And I had a like all of a sudden this idea and was able to make a decision um, from the brainstorming process. Uh, brainstorming is a trial and error process, so it takes a little bit of time and offers requires you to look for things in a different way. But I, I find it to be very, very effective. Uh, it facilitates creativity. Uh, there's a little bit of surveying stuff that kind of goes on. And the one thing that I know, one thing, that my let's back up. It's not what I know. This is my perspective. Is that uh, in our world today, we are having less and less free-form interaction with people where we can brainstorm. Uh, I think my mother was very insightful one time. She said a lot of creative ideas have left with the loss of the um, smoking areas. Back in uh, the day where they had those around, people would just take a break. They would go out, and they'd just be talking about things, um, about what's going on. And, uh, and Quite often, people would have a eureka or solve a problem from from uh, that was out there or would help them make a decision. Uh, it was defined as unproductive because you're supposedly not doing anything but smoking, but um, the, the forum facilitated the, uh, the possibility of very creative thinking and or brainstorming as a result of it. So um, anyway, in summary, these are a couple ideas. Uh, what I hope that you gleaned out of our show today is that uh, uh, there are – Decisions are—they're are, are, contextual. There's—they uh, could be run off of like infinite number of simulations and possibilities. You could have conflicting goals. There's multiple perspectives. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that's there, and most of this requires a level of working memory to spin that stuff around in your head. And if you choose one of the decisions, like to delegate of the survey type thing, or do the brainstorming, and/or um, part of brainstorming is getting in a room with somebody and actually diagramming. Uh, like on a whiteboard, uh, what your options are so that you can begin to see that. I find that uh, externalizing that stuff outside of your head so that you can see it is probably one of the more productive ways for those with ADHD to move past um, those types of decisions. And the strategy here is acknowledging that it's not easy, understanding these areas, and more willfully saying, this is the strategy I'm going to go with, could sometimes be very helpful um, to get you off center. Again, for me, picking the best of the worst was a strategy that i picked it was tangible multiple times in my life and it gave me some peace in making the decision uh right or wrong so anyway bottom line i hope this is giving you pause to think and maybe uh maybe implement some of these things or maybe if i'm lucky this has sparked something for you just like the whole garage sale thing sparked the whole sequoia seats in my car and you'll come up with something bright which case uh, uh, drop us a line let us know what the strategy is so with that, um, we'll, we'll, we'll conclude the show. Again, tonight's uh, secret word is making, M-A-K-I-N-G. Again, another thanks for Lori DePar for the invitation to be on our Telesummit. Um To learn more about that, that's ADHDtelsummit.com forward slash ATR. I'm Jeff Copper. I'm an ADHD coach. You can learn more about me by going to digcoaching.com. You can also check out our sister station, Attention Talk Video. With that, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week for another great show. Take care.